Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. This message will teach you how to restore the art of giving thanks in the midst of a broken world. Enjoy the message. Who sees Thanksgiving as kind of a little bit like a lesser holiday, like spooky month was just past us, that was a lot of fun. Thanksgiving, you're kind of just the send-off into the Christmas season because that's way more fun, you know, we're already celebrating Mariah Carey defrosting. I think I saw memes as early as, like, September, and <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, and even, like, corporate-wise, though, we have the parade, which is awesome, and maybe you'll get the occasional Thanksgiving special, uh, but is, is that kind of it? I, I can't think of much more than that, whereas how many scary movies are out there? They put out tons every year. And if you want a feel-good holiday movie, well, it's going to be Christmas one, 99.9999% of the time. Uh, you know, those Hallmark movies, of which my mom is a huge fan. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of them. Uh, even, like, when it comes to the peanuts, everyone knows the Christmas special. You know, this stupid dance <laughs> of various kinds. That's my favorite one. Uh, or everyone knows, of course, I Got a Rock you know, from the, 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 the Halloween special. But how many of you guys know great lines from the Thanksgiving special, if you even knew there was one, such as Peppermint Patty saying, I know you don't mind me inviting myself over for Thanksgiving, Chuck, because I know you kind of like me. Just (laughs) bulldozes right through him and invites herself over. (laughs) And you kind of got to wonder why that is. Um, And I think as uh, society in general, uh, you know, Halloween's more fun, Christmas is more special, and culturally, uh, Thanksgiving is just kind of a time to be, it's, we're, we're a glass half full kind of person today. Uh, we'll be thankful, I guess, for what we have. But in reality, a lot of people say, see Thanksgiving as uh, it's a lot of prep work, it's really exhausting. Uh, I have to see people in my family who I don't even particularly like. Or even if I do kind of like them, it can be kind of awkward. Uh, so maybe it's small wonder that in the greater society of a whole, it's, it, it feels like a bit of a filler. But then you also got to wonder, I, I wonder also if our culture just doesn't really put much stock into being thankful. Uh, you know, our society is very built on, like, get the next big thing. You know, if you have your car, get the better car when you can afford it, or even if you can't afford it <laughs> next year, get the bigger house, you know, get, uh, get that job promotion. Don't ever take second place. That's not good enough. Um, Perhaps nothing exemplifies that better than, you know, that Thanksgiving, the day we're all thankful for what we have. The next day is immediately people waking up super early to go buy a bunch of stuff because it's a deal. And you got to get more stuff. You got to get it while it's cheap. It's weird. And, but... At the same time, we kind of, I feel like maybe contentment is something we kind of teach to like a child, where it's like, you gotta, you gotta be thankful for what you have. And that was something I really needed to learn as a kid. And I'm kind of dreading sharing this because my parents are here and my family still makes fun of me for this. But uh, one Christmas, and yeah, I, I, I appreciate the irony of my example was during Christmas after I talked about Thanksgiving being overshadowed, but it is what it is. <laughs> so how we do Christmas at my family is uh, on Christmas Eve, we go to my dad's side of the family, uh, and it's great. And then the next day on Christmas Day, we go to lunch on my mom's side with my grandma, uh, enjoy lunch. And at my household, uh, every single gift, everyone gets their own like time in the spotlight. We hand out the gifts one by one. 
we let the person open it, and this is the proper way to do it. All of you savages who just go in and everyone's ripping the gifts immediately, no one's taking time to appreciate <laughs> and being able to be like, oh, that's awesome, and being there with someone, I don't understand it unless you literally have a family of like 80 people and it's gonna, you're going to be there all night, even then. <laughs> so this particular Christmas, I don't really remember how old I was, but young, young, youngish, uh, and I, we were at my grandma's and I had gotten two presents and to my abject horror, that was it. <laughs> those, were, those, were the, those were all my presents that day. You know, so as a mature child, I realized that these were great gifts, my grandma loves me very much, and I was very content. You don't believe that for a second? <laughs> because what actually happened, and again, my family still makes fun of me for this, is I looked at grandma and I said, just two presents? And <laughs> as, a, uh, as a now father, I can only kind of envision how I'd feel if Laura said that, but I do remember uh, my mom, maybe a second later, giving the, Zachary Thomas! And <laughs> that's how you know, anyone knows, that if your mom's calling you by your middle name, that's when you're in trouble. <laughs> See, I'd wanted more. I wasn't content with what I had had. Um, and my family was not too happy about that. <laughs> but I do think contentment is, you know, it is part of our thankfulness. But I think true biblical thankfulness, I think it's more than that. I think we're kind of underselling it if that's kind of all we see it as. Which brings me to my main point, which is Thanksgiving is a commitment. It's not a circumstance. See, it's not something that just kind of happens based on how life is going, such as you're being thankful that life is going well. It, it, it takes effort to be truly thankful. But like many good things, it's best to start with a definition and actually understand what we're talking about. Like, what is thankfulness? And to a lot of you, that might immediately say that's an easy answer. It's feeling gratitude. It's, as I said before, it's content with what you have. But is that all that God really means when he says to be thankful? Uh, in Hebrew, and this is another thing where English, we have like just one word, maybe two, like Thanksgiving gratitude, kind of interchangeable. But in Hebrew, there's at least seven words for the word thanks and that are used throughout the Bible. So just like how we have you know, love encompasses the same way I can say I love pizza is the same way, same word to say I love my daughter. <laughs> it's weird, but other languages do it better, and Hebrew does the same thing with thankfulness. So here are a few biblical examples, forgive my pronunciation in advance. There's Toda, which is a Thanksgiving choir. There's Barack, not Obama, which is to on Thanksgiving. <laughs> There's Tehillah, which is to sing a song of Thanksgiving. There's Halal, which is where we get hallelujah. That's to give thanks by boasting and praising God. There's yada, which is to give thanks with expressive gratitude, not yada yada, but a good yada. There's zamar, which is to give thanks with a musical instrument. You don't even need singing. Just be thankful. There's thanks with a musical instrument. There's, and then there's shabak, which is to give thanks in a loud tone. This is our, you know, shout to the Lord his praise. You see, it's more than just contentment there. It's, it's thanksgiving is so central to the Christian lifestyle that it causes us to sing in praise, to shout in praise, lift our hands in praise, and even kneel in praise. And is that done with the sentimentality of, I'm going to be a glass-half-full person today, <laughs> and even in a hard situation? No. That's done by knowing who walks through, with us, 
walks through with us in all of our situations. And because of that, type, and because of that this type of thanksgiving, it's, it's repeatable, it's expected of us, and believe it or not, it's even commanded of us in the Bible. Which brings me to my first main point here is thankfulness is a command. Uh, it's going to take us to our key verse today. Uh, if you want to open up to 1 Thessalonians 5.18, uh, take your notes there. This is where we're going to spend a grand majority of our time. But it says, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So give thanks in everything, for this is God's will. It's not a suggestion. It's not the ideal of the Christian life. That's expected that Christians give thanks. And you might ask, well, how can thankfulness be commanded? And, well, if thankfulness was just, you know, feeling gratitude, uh, it couldn't be. That wouldn't make any sense. See, I'll give you kind of a parallel, an anecdote. In the Christian world, and sometimes in the secular, we're told love isn't just a feeling. You know, you've heard love is an action, it's a verb. Uh, so let me ask you then, husbands, wives, do you always love your spouse? Do they always give you butterflies? Does every interaction with them just feel great? Non-married people, same thing with your friends. You're never annoyed at them. You're never tired of being with them. Every interaction is just life-giving. <laughs> I'm guessing not, and maybe, it's definitely not if you've hung out with somebody for more than an hour. <laughs> you know, so for some amount of time, that's just inevitably going to happen. Yet, we can still be a good spouse, or we can be a good friend and love them, even when we're not feeling it. I love the way C.S. Lewis kind of described this phenomenon in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, nobody can always have devout feelings, and even if we could, feelings are not what God principally cares about. Christian love, either towards God or towards man, is an affair of the will. If we are trying to do his will, we are obeying the commandment, thou shalt love the Lord your God. He will give us feelings of love if he pleases. We cannot create them for ourselves, and we must not demand them as a right. See, feelings are nice when they line up with our obedience, but the greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord your God, and Jesus said there's a second like it, which is to love others, that's not dependent on our feelings. Similarly, thankfulness and gratitude, which are commanded, uh, they can't be dependent on our feelings either then. So no, thankfulness is not this innate emotional response of, I'm content with what I have. Again, that's part of it, but I don't think that's all of it. Now, how many of us throughout our day are we, are we grumbling? Do we have any professional grumblers? <laughs> it can be. <laughs> You go, 10-year-old Zach Harold is a professional grumbler. <laughs> so how many of us go throughout our day just complaining? And I, until I was writing this message, I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm a fairly, like, happy person. I don't think I complain too often. And then I started writing down common complaints, and I'm like, oh, I say these all the time. Uh, how about, I'm always tired. That's my go-to. <laughs> this weather today is awful. To some of you today, the weather is either a blessing or it's a massive hindrance. <laughs> Here's a classic, work is just another day in paradise. <laughs> My spouse is so needy, I've had to do so many things today, they can't just be content, I mowed the lawn, I'm done, I'm sitting on the couch. My children are nuts, and you know, maybe that's true sometimes, but uh, I can never have any fun, because I'm always so busy. Everything, and this is, we've all probably said this one, everything is so expensive. <laughs> And we might, you know, we smile and we laugh about that because that's super relatable. 
Like, we've all felt that. But, you know, at the same time, I think we kind of see these as acceptable complaints just because of how common they are. And again, I'm not different than you. I've said all these things, many of them, several times a day. I think one day I said I'm tired of like 10 different people. (laughs) And that's why I'm a little grumpy. So again, none of us are going to be perfect in this. um, But we also need to ask the question, do any of these things really reflect a heart of gratitude? And then on average, are our lives reflecting more gratitude or are we reflecting more complaints? See, God knows that we all have a natural bent towards ingratitude, or he wouldn't remind us so often to give thanks. See, the Bible and the variation of the word thanks shows up nearly 150 times. 38 of them is specifically the command, give thanks. And many of these instances are in the Psalms. See, I've tended to think of myself um, as a Proverbs kind of guy. You know, anyone else kind of feel like that? You just, like, I need practical wisdom right now to inject right into me. I'm going to live that out right now. That's, <laughs> that's typically been me. Like, let's look at Proverbs 27, 14, which is a loud and cheerful greeting early in the morning will be taken as a curse. Modern day translation, if you talk to me before my morning coffee, I'm going to have a problem. <laughs> that's the kind of wisdom I live for. <laughs> but in recent times, I've, I've really come to appreciate the Psalms. Um, before, they, to me, a lot of times were just like, it's a little too flowery for my taking. I don't really understand. It's a little bit abstract. But now, um, as I've grown more as a Christian, uh, I realize just how much they really speak to the heart. And they, provide a lot of, and they do provide a lot of practical insight and a lot of emotional insight. Like, let's look at Psalm 92, which says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise to your name most high, to declare your faithful love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. With a ten-stringed harp and and the music of a lyre, for you have made me rejoice, Lord, by what you have done. I will shout for joy because of the works of your hands. See, notice the psalmist's reason for rejoicing here. It's by what you have done, by the works of your hands. Now, again, we should be thankful for the things God has given us, but I think the main root of our thankfulness, ultimately, it's just in who God is. See, one of Israel's greatest flaws, as you read the Old Testament, is just continually forgetting who God is and what he's done for them. God even commanded them to remember the works he had done in Egypt when he had taken them out of slavery uh, and when he was there for them and providing for them for their needs in the wilderness. Yet Psalm 106 kind of sums up how this all went, which says, Our ancestors in Egypt did not grasp the significance of your wondrous works or remember your many acts of faithful love. Instead, they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea, Yet he saved them for his namesake to make his power known. Jumping a couple verses. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. And immediately after, it says, they soon forgot his works and would not wait for his counsel. This is when they got locked out of the promised land because they wouldn't trust God despite how much he's done for them. But are we not, as Christians too, really quick to forget God's promises and works in our lives? Like, I'm... (laughs) Even preparing this message, uh, you know, I know God showed up last time I talked, and that was a huge encouragement. But even then, it was still, it's really hard to, to, to not be nervous and to just go up here and do it, you know. And yet, God was so gracious to me the first time. And where in our lives do we tend to forget where, where God has met us, and we just repeat the same mistakes over and over again because we forget? 
So I'd, I'd encourage you, think of times where you've really seen God show up in your life. What needs did he meet for you? What addiction did you conquer through him? What supernatural peace were you given in, what, in whatever situation? And when did, God, when did God speak through someone to really encourage you? Because that's also what he does. See, we have a very personable God. Uh, so, I, so think about where he's shown for you personally and, and thank him for that. But even if we are bad at remembering how he's directly impacted our lives, there are promises of just who God is, and we all have universally just being believers in Christ. I'll name a few, but gosh, there's so many. So we've been saved from our sins, massive already. <laughs> Death's been defeated. His mercies are new every morning. God is steadfast. He loves us. He's slow to anger. He's all-powerful. He comforts us. He sympathizes with us. He leads us. One day he's going to wipe away every tear. And when we first believe into eternity, he's making us new. And there's so much more. So remembering who God is is a first step to thankfulness. See, it makes sense that thankfulness would be commanded when we just put it in light of just who God is. How can we not be when we remember all he has done for us? See, and that's where I think the root of our thankfulness comes from. But like any good root, it grows something. Thankfulness is, is more than our attitude. It should be, it should be taken in action. Because uh, having a thankful attitude is great, but only so much if it actually leads to change or action in our life. So let me give you like another like side example. Let's say that I want to be a gym rat. I want to, <laughs> I'm going to finally start working out. I'm going to be eating all the healthy stuff. I've got to get the gym attitude. I got the gym clothes, the gym bag the new gym shoes, <laughs> the, uh, I've gotten exercise equipment to even have at my house for when I can't make to the gym. I have a, de a pedal, desk pedal for when I'm at work, which I do have and I never use it. Uh, and and I, got, you know, I got my eating reg regimen down. I've got the, no, I know the exact amount of muscle milk I should drink for optimal protein and then, uh, and then all my workout routine to know how to bulk up and lose some weight. Then I don't go to the gym, and I don't eat right, which is what I do now. <laughs> and, but I still got my gym attitude. I'm still talking about how I'm going to do it. I talk about all these plans I have. But in that, would you call me a gym goer? Would you call me fit? No, obviously you wouldn't. So similarly, we have the full potential of living lives of gratitude because we have Christ Jesus but that potential needs to be put into practice. And just like working out, we kind of need to work out those, those thankfulness muscles. <laughs> this is my second point, which is thankfulness is something we grow in. Now, with anything that takes practice, uh, you kind of have to be practicing correctly. <laughs> if you're doing something wrong, when you're working out, you're going to hurt yourself. And similarly here, we need to be practicing the right things. And I think the verses surrounding uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 will give us some more insight. I wish I could go through the whole section, but we'd be here an extra hour, <laughs> maybe more. But 15, starting at verse 15, says, But always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Don't stay away, or sorry, <laughs> do stay away from every kind of evil. <laughs> So keep in mind that these instructions are all grouped together. Paul puts them 
in the same list, which means they're linked. Uh, the, uh, living out these areas is going to help our thankfulness, and in turn, us being thankful is going to help in these areas as well. Um, again, I, don't want, I can't go through every single one of these, but I'm going to hit on a couple of them. So let's look at the command, rejoice always. See, rejoice biblically means it's a call to joy, an invitation to joy. Uh, so like thankfulness, joy is possible because of the amazing truths we have in Christ. Joy is not just this temporary happiness, again, when life is going well, but it's an eternal happiness, an eternal joy of who we are in Christ. And while not the only result of rejoicing, I think the most common one we see is praise, you know, worship. So thanksgiving and praise, they go hand in hand. Uh, Psalm 104 even says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. See, all to say, I think praise is one of those our actions that results when we're thankful, when we're rejoicing. And I find in my own life that the days where I'm really tired, because that's my classic excuse, or days where I'm a little cranky and I don't really want to you know, praise or worship, it, it just seems so exhausting, I think we can all kind of agree. Those are kind of the days where we need it most. Um, it, it, something to be a habit means we have to do it even when it's hard, uh, even when, it, so it doesn't, it's not really a habit if we just stop doing it when we don't want to. So I think you'll find on those days when you're praising, even when you don't want to, you're going to see little by little, those words are actually going to start sinking into your heart. You're going to start believing them, and Lord willing, your emotions are going to catch up with your obedience, and you'll be able to just be praising God, even on a hard day. All to say, though, rejoicing reminds us to be thankful, and our thankfulness is inevitably going to result in rejoicing. Look, too, also to Paul saying in these verses, pray constantly. In some of your translations, that'll say, pray without ceasing. Uh, taken at face value, it's quite the statement. Uh, does Paul literally mean that we should be, you know, heads down, Eyes closed all the time. Obviously not, otherwise you'd, this would be kind of awkward for me doing this the whole entire time, wouldn't it? <laughs> so this is not nonstop talking with God, but it is to be a nonstop reminder that we have access to God. Every moment can be lived with the awareness that we can go to our, our God who's with us and who actively wants to be involved in our lives, in our actions, and our thoughts. So if our thoughts are turning to, to, to worry, anger, fear, discouragement, even, even temptation, we can and we should turn to God in prayer. Every prayer, is an op, and every prayer is an opportunity for thanksgiving, knowing that we have a Father who hears us, he cares for us, and he helps us. Paul speaks of thankfulness and prayer going, uh, inter being intertwined in multiple parts of the Bible. Philippians 4, 6, for example, it says, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Colossians 4, 2 says, Don't devote yourselves to prayer, or sorry, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. See, a lack of prayer is going to result in a lack of thankfulness. So then I want to ask you, how is your prayer life? Do you see prayer as kind of this last resort? Or... This is where I've been. It's the only thing I can do. The situation at my, with my friend is so hard. I don't know how to talk to them. I guess I can only pray. I guess I can only pray? What am I saying? Like, prayer is powerful. 
It's an amazing place to start. But yet, we can find it as, we can find ourselves thinking it doesn't make a difference. Well, God's sovereign anyway. He's just going to do what he's going to (laughs) do. Or do you find yourself, you're just caught up in the moment. You act before you even pray. You just do it because you think you have to. Or, or, alternatively, do you see prayer as an amazing go-to, whether we're in desperate need or not? Do you see it as a privilege to be able to talk with God at any time? Doesn't the truth of that just kind of well up thankfulness in your heart? Like, that's incredible. See, a lack of prayer results in a lack of thankfulness, but it also results in us trying to rely on our own strength. Um, And if you've been a Christian for a while and you've You've seen the difference. If you tried to do something in your own strength, it's very exhausting. It's very discouraging. Um, and we're trying to build the foundation on what we can do, which is very shaky. Instead, we should be building it on the, sh- the, the sure foundation of God's grace and his spiritual power. And perhaps the biggest aspect in these lists that Paul talks about, because this, again, leads to all of them, is, is don't stifle the spirit. Now, the Bible makes it very clear that every single Christian is given the Holy Spirit. For example, let's look at Ephesians 1.13. It says, In him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. So we all have it. When we believed in Jesus Christ, we received him. But it's not just a down payment, which is already incredible. The Holy Spirit is active and works in our lives. Let's look at Colossians 2.6. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. And I think it's important that we look at the tense of this verse. See, there's the tense here that conveys that something has been completed. And that part is, you've received Christ Jesus as Lord. And then there's the tense here that has continuing results, but also requirements, which is continue to walk in him. So because we have received Jesus as Lord, we have that power, the spirit, to walk in, and we have the power to walk in him. See, Paul warns of stifling the Holy Spirit here. And again, that's not to say that we can lose the spirit. Um, As said, the condition of receiving him is when we first believed, and that can never be taken from us. But that does not mean that we are unable to ignore it. I I know I have. (laughs) See, this is most commonly done when we do not let the spirit work in our hearts or actions Uh, More specifically, this is when we act or think in a way that is contradictory to God's will or his character. And put the simplest possible, we're stifling the spirit when we're sinning. And if we're stifling the spirit, you know, the very power of God that gives us the ability to live for him, how do we ever expect to lead lives of gratitude? Unfortunately, I mean, we as believers, we always have access to God if we're... If we're stifling the spirit, as I said with prayer, we have access. Go to him. Ask for forgiveness. Let him lead you. Ask that he strengthen you to do his will. Always leave room in your heart to let the spirit do what he wants to do. And one of those things that he wants to do is to help lead you in a life of thankfulness. I find it necessary also to bring up the fact that one of the best ways to really fan the flames of the spirit is by reading the Bible. Uh, what better way to know what pleases God? You can know 100% of the time that when God says something in the Bible, he means it. It's not up to interpretation. It's not up to wonder. It just is. 
Uh, and it's more than just obtaining knowledge when we're reading the Bible. Uh, again, it's the very power of God. Uh, because we have the Spirit in us, and the Spirit is the one who inspired the Word, it resonates with itself. Have you ever found that when you're reading the Bible, it just, it just speaks to your soul? And, and that's the Spirit's work in you. It, it would just be words on a page otherwise. So let the Spirit continue to mold you, work in you. Uh, and the work of the Spirit is going to lead to godly character in everything. See, we're, gonna, we're unable to rejoice rightly. We're not going to be able to pray as we ought to. We're, we're not going to be able to stay away from evil, love others, or have, a proper, or have proper gratitude without his help. <laughs> but thank the Lord that he does help. And, but we do need to let him do his work. Philippians 2.13 says, For God who is working in you, both to will and to work, according to his good purpose, even the will to do the right thing, to follow God, comes from the Spirit. We can't even, do the, we, we can't even get that part right in our own power. <laughs> So don't stifle the spirit. Let him lead you. And again, really spend time, discernment, what the spirit is actually leading you in. But I want to speak to someone, to people, and we've all had our times in this, where you know, you've been reaching out to God again and again. You've been in prayer. You've been spending Bible reading. You've been worshiping. But life just feels so hard. It's really difficult to express gratitude. For me, um, I went to college for over five years, which <laughs> was a very hard college, um, and I had lots of ups and downs of, you know, depression and, and difficulty, and it was hard to be gra- it was hard to be thankful, and, and part of that was because everybody was really negative there, and I, I think we all know that negativity breeds negativity, but still, it was it was really tough. Sorrow just seemed to be filling my life. And no matter how much I leaned on God, it, it didn't necessarily make me feel any better. But I kind of want to speak to that. And this is my final point, is we can be thankful to God even in our worst moments. Again, this might be kind of an odd one, but stay with me here. I think there's a very real possibility, as I've kind of been talking about thankfulness. Some of you have started feeling proper conviction. I mean, I know I did <laughs> with how much I realized I complained about being tired. But... Uh, that should lead to repentance and, and, you know, rejoicing in the Lord. But there are other of you who's you're kind of heaping shame on yourself because you really feel like you can't measure up to this. It just seems so impossible. Um, I want to read 1 Thessalonians 5.18 again. Uh, it says, Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So you notice that we're told to give thanks in everything. It doesn't say be thankful for everything. And that's a really important distinction. We're not told to be thankful for every circumstance in our lives. And we can see throughout the whole Bible that the followers of God, they're not, they're not always on the, on the mountaintop. Very often they're in the valley. But still, at the same time, in those valleys, I've come to find that that's where I grow most exponentially in the Lord. And even though, does anybody else feel that? Times of trouble are when you really feel like you understand and can rely and trust on the Lord more than you ever have. Um, and even though you wouldn't want to go through it again, you're grateful that God led you through it and, and learned, and you learned more about him, and you had to understand it better. See, that's being thankful in your circumstance. You're not thankful for it. So let me make this perfectly clear. God is not commanding you to be thankful that you lost your job. Maybe some of us would be thankful if we did, but you know what I mean. 
He's not commanding you to be thankfulness for the brokenness in your family. He's not commanding you to be thankful for your depression or whatever other mental difficulties you may have. He's not commanding you to be thankful for your failing health. And he's not commanding you to be thankful for the death of a loved one. No, he's asking you to be thankful in those hard times. And you may ask, how? You don't know the pain I've gone through. You're right, I don't. but two things. One, I don't want you to forget that we're brothers and sisters in Christ here. And everyone, no one will know perhaps your exact situation, but there's probably someone who's walked through something similar. And we should be people who pray for one another, who encourage one another. Um, and, we, and, other, and on the reverse end, we should be people who are willing to lean into other people, accept their help, and trust them and pray with them. We want to be people that other people say, I'm thankful that they're in my life. <laughs> it's another way we can express thankfulness. But secondly, and this is probably more importantly, Jesus himself knows what it's like to feel pain. See, he was betrayed. He was misunderstood by almost everybody. He was ridiculed. He lost loved ones. He wept for them. He had anxiety that was so bad about the cross that he literally uh, sweat blood. <laughs> Jesus himself, he even prayed in regards to his death on the cross. He said, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. See, Jesus knows what it's like to pray in anxiety. And yet, we know that God said no to that prayer. His will was that Jesus die on the cross, which for us was the best thing we could ever have. So you can be assured that even if God is not taking us out of our situation, he is with us in our situation. He's using your situation. And he sympathizes with you. And he's never going to leave you, and he's never going to forsake you. And it's because of that knowledge that you can still give thanks because he's forever with you. See, this is the part, heart that uh, Paul has in Philippians 4.13. This is an often misquoted verse. Uh, we, um, and if you don't know, that verse is, Uh, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Uh, Some people out there, they kind of use this as, I'm going to remember this verse. I'm going to do good on my job interview. I'm going to do good on my test. Uh, You know, I'm going to work better today. And yeah, I mean, God can do that. He can do all things. But what Paul's talking about here is is actually contentment. See, Paul is is writing this very verse while he's in prison. Uh, He suffered a lot for the gospel. I think he had at least two shipwrecks. He was, again, he was made fun of. He was whipped. Uh, he was stoned with the, the stone intention was to put people, to throw stones at someone until they died. And the only reason they stopped is because they thought he died. <laughs> That's how bad and brutal it was. And yet, he, he says, I can do all, all things through God who strengthens me. He's still content, as he says in following verses, when he has much, when he's been brought low, uh, See, when he has abundance, when he has need. He, see, he's content because he has fellowship with the Lord. And no amount of hardship can take that from him. But then I also, and I found myself in this boat before too. I'm trying. It just seems so impossible. I don't know how. Life's just been so rough for so long and I don't know what to do. I want to talk about a psalm that's uh, kind of shaped my perspective. I, re- I remember hearing this in college, and it was, it was a weird comfort to me. Um, that psalm is Psalm 88. 
um, which is, is known as the saddest psalm in scripture. I want to read it in its entirety and, and listen in. If, if you found just times in your life that just, it just feels like so much that you don't know how you can be thankful, just see if you can see yourself in, in these verses. It says, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out to you day by day. I come to you at night. Come hear my prayer. Listen to my cry. Uh, slight spoiler alert. That's as cheery as it's going to get. <laughs> For my life is full of troubles and my death draws near. I am as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They have left me among the dead. I lie like a corpse in a grave. I am forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. Your anger weighs me down. With wave after wave, you have engulfed me. You have driven my friends away by making me repulsive to them. I am in a trap with no way of escape. My eyes are blinded by my tears. Each day I beg for your help, O Lord. I lift my hands to you for mercy. Are your wondrous deeds of any use to the dead? Do the dead rise up and praise you? Can those in the grave declare your unfailing love? Can they proclaim your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Can the darkness speak of your wonderful deeds? Can anyone in the land of forgetfulness talk about your righteousness? O Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep on pleading day by day, but O Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? I've been sick and close to death since my youth. I stand helpless and desperate before your terrors. Your fierce anger has overwhelmed me. Your terrors have paralyzed me. They swirl around me like floodwaters all day long. They have engulfed me completely. You have taken away my companions and loved ones. Darkness is my closest friend. And, and yes, Simon and Garfunkel fans, the sound of silence is now stuck in my head too. <laughs> I bring some levity here, but it's, that's pretty intense. That's an intense psalm. And you have to remember that this isn't God's inspired word. You know, if I were God, you got to get to the part at the end where you're like, but God, I trust in your name. I know you'll be good to me, even though it's hard. But God didn't do that. It ends on a really sad note. So why is that here? It's because it's real. Because God understands that this is how we're going to feel sometimes. There are times where we might walk away from prayer feeling awful. Prayer doesn't always give a quick answer, and it doesn't always give a quick comfort. To the psalmist, he's willing to be so real with his emotions, and you see that he actually um, is saying that God is the one who's heaped all this stuff on him. And whether that's true or not, that's how he feels. And, but ironically, in college, I found comfort in, like, I'm not crazy. <laughs> I, I've tried so much, and I still feel, I, I feel like things are still dark. But I do want to point out that uh, the main point that God wants to say in all of this is, I can take it. And I don't just mean I can take it as in I can take the hard situation away. He, I mean, he can take it when our emotions are rough, when we're mad at him, when we're sad and we don't see a way, we have to go to him in that. Go to him in that. Don't forget that the psalmist, he opens this with, O Lord, God of my salvation. So even at his darkest moments, he's remembering whose he is. So if you're feeling overwhelmed with sorrow, even, even if remembering whose you are does not bring you comfort right now in this moment, go to God with that sorrow. He can take it. And I, I know that was heavy, but I want to walk away with some overall application here. 
which, you know, where do you find yourself complaining? For me, it's saying I'm tired all the time. <laughs> How can thankfulness change your perspective? It may, it may be tired, but it's because I have a daughter who I love who might be keeping me up. I have a wife who's sick who I love. Who maybe she's coughing a bit. And those things are awesome. I'm so thankful for them. Uh, where do you need to remember who God is and what he's done for you? What hot, godly habits do you need to pick up to help foster your thankfulness? And, you know, is it rejoicing? Is it prayer? Is it your Bible reading? These all need to be intertwined. And the sorrows seem overwhelming. Go to your perfect and steadfast Father. Now, for some of you, maybe you've never really been able to express true gratitude uh, because you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You go through life thinking that God and the church are just a bunch of rules, and you see this as just another opportunity, another thing to do, to add to the list, do it in your own strength, and you're hoping that you'll be good enough to succeed in it. So you need to drop the view of who, that view of God, who God is. As a rules maker, when you follow these rules, life will be perfect. You're going through life hoping that you're going to go to heaven for your works um, when you die. But I want you to know, you can know that you're going to heaven. I'm asking we bow our heads. See, God cannot be reached by good works. Many people believe that good people go to heaven, but the reality is there are no good people. None of us are good enough to deserve heaven. Yet God himself, but yet God made himself available when he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And the Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So repent of thinking you can save yourself and accept the free grace of God through Jesus. Confess that Jesus is Lord, which is trusting that his ways are better than yours, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and the Bible says you will be saved. So I want to ask, if that's you for the first time, you want to accept this free gift of salvation, I ask that you raise your hand. I just want to pray for you and hope you meet with God. Yeah, thank you. So for anyone, I want to pray this with you. Pray it out loud or you can pray it in your heart. But dear Jesus, I know I've done wrong in my life. I've tried ignoring that or hoping that my good works would balance them out, but they don't. I need a savior to truly take away my sin. I trust that you died on the cross to take punishment for my sin and you rose again three days later because you are a perfect sacrifice. Help me to follow you in everything I do. And for us who are believers, God, I pray that we would, you would just give us a refreshed thankfulness, Lord that we would be people who see just the amazing wonders that you've done in our lives, through our friends' lives, um, and just who you are in general, God. You are amazing, Lord. The gospel is already so much, and yet, God, you don't even stop there. You're with us, you listen to us, you care for us. I pray that we would have renewed thankfulness this week. In your son's name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.